0: Hi, I'm Dana Stevens, Slate's movie critic, and I'm here with a Slate spoiler special of Michael Moore's Sicko. I'm on the line with Tim Noah, who writes Chatterbox for Slate. Hi, Tim. In D.C. So, Tim, let me start with this question. Are you as conflicted about Michael Moore as I am? I mean, his films, on the one hand, are so much fun to watch. You wouldn't think a movie about people's miseries in the healthcare system could be as funny and lively and deft as this movie is. And I really admire the way that he, he managed to make his movies feel like events, like something active that you're doing rather than an experience that you're passively having. And that seems more and more true of each one. I mean, I, th- I think watching Sicko is, if anything, even more galvanizing than Fahrenheit 9-11. And uh, I'm just wondering if you share my conflicted feelings as a lefty watching Michael uh, Moore.
1: I, I do share your conflicted feelings. I think that it's wonderful that he has introduced humor into uh, the debate, particularly humor from – The left, which has been in short supply on a lot of these issues, and um, he's got a wonderful sense of humor, but an angry sense of humor, and rightly so on many issues, I think, and particularly on the issue of health care. I mean, I I think health care, particularly the whole issue of health insurance in the United States... It's a Michael Moore movie without Michael Moore even being there. I mean, all he has to do is show up and turn on the camera, and the insurance companies satirize themselves. I feel less conflicted about the first half of the movie, which is pretty straightforwardly factual about these awful, awful things that are happening to Americans. And I think he quite rightly focuses the movie not on people who don't have health insurance, but on people who do, who are getting screwed.
0: What is it about Michael Moore, then, that, that gets us down? And we both agree that the movie's a delight to watch. We both agree that he's right, essentially. It's pretty hard to dispute his basic point that the healthcare system is screwed six ways to Sunday. And we both enjoy his movie. So why aren't we out there cheering on Michael Moore 100 percent?
1: Because there's sort of also a class clown aspect to Moore that allows a lot of what he says to be written off as buffoonery. And particularly, he makes in this movie a very powerful and I think correct argument that the United States needs single payer health insurance, preferably one that's funded by the government. And... This is still amazingly an idea that even Democrats are reluctant to embrace wholeheartedly. And it's the right idea. It's the idea that most other developed nations have embraced. Can I Um, I
0: interrupt just for a second? Because I think mm -hmm. that's a point that we agree on and any reasonable view of this movie would. But you actually said something earlier that I disagree with, and I was sort of trying to push you until you did that. I think the the critique that's often made of Michael Moore that you just made, that you hear all the time on the right, you know, the large section of the right that hates Michael Moore as much as they hate Hillary. In fact, the hatred is often voiced in really similar ways to the hatred of Hillary, I find. Mm And sometimes even the center left will make this critique of Michael Moore, sort of the right thinking bourgeois center left doesn't like Michael Moore because he isn't serious, he's a buffoon, he's a showman, everything you were just saying. And to me, this isn't a problem. It's, it's what's great about Michael Moore and why he can be such a populist and reach so many people who might be put off by the more tasteful, elite side of the left. And I also sort of feel there's a part of me that feels, hey, the right is allowed to have its blustering demagogues. They're all over the cable news. Why shouldn't we get a blustering demagogue of our own? And to me, the problem with Michael Moore has never been in this goofy showman aspect. It's actually in his filmmaking in, or specifically, it's in his, his way of constructing constructing an argument, which I call in my review deck stacking. I don't know what else to call it, if there's any other expression. It's actually as if, for example, I was on my debate team in high school. And if I had been at a Saturday morning debate tournament and Michael Moore had been at the podium for my team constructing an argument the way he does in sicko, I would be burying my head in my hands saying, why, Mike, why? Because you just don't make like the opponent's side doesn't exist, right? That diminishes your own argument.
1: I agree with you, but I don't see how what you're saying now is different from center-left people like me saying, oh, I think he's funny and I think that's great, but it also drives me crazy. Well, because I don't think it's his
0: funniness that makes him a poor arguer. I think that he would be able to keep his sort of delightfully buffoonish, funny-fat guy aspect and be a comic and be a satirist and still allow arguments for the other side. I mean, I'll give you an example from Sicko that I think is going to get some hoots and is going to get lots of mentions in in negative reviews of this movie or just discussions about it. There's a moment when, I mean, as I think... We, everybody who's even had a conversation about sicko knows it ends with Michael Moore taking these sick Americans, including three 9 11 rescue workers, to Cuba. And there's sort of a rosy picture of the Cuban healthcare system that's painted. And there's a moment earlier in the movie in Michael Moore's own construction of his argument that undermines that when he's talking about the World Health Organization's ranking of the best healthcare systems in the world. You remember that part? Mm-hmm. And there's actually a, a list, there's a shot of a list of the WHO rankings. And he's making fun of the fact that the U.S. is number 37 in front only of Slovenia, right? And we hear that in voiceover in Michael Moore's sort of sardonic tone. But if you look right under Slovenia, number 39 is Cuba. Really? (laughs) Yeah. And it's clearly legible, even on the small screen that I was watching the movie on. So I was surprised that didn't get some hoots and jeers. Then again, I was seeing it with a pretty Michael Moore-friendly audience. But I think that that's certainly going to be pointed out. And obviously... Cuba is a complex question. I mean, you can say that their healthcare is effective in some ways, but that the trade-offs in the area of, you know, human rights and civil liberties are not worth it or I suppose that we don't really know enough about the Cuban healthcare system based on what's shown in this movie to know whether the hospital he goes to is typical. The whole Cuba part feels very staged and gimmicky and somehow wrong to me. Well, I that, think that's I mean, something hap- that Michael Moore could address, even in a humorous way, sort of saying, like, look, I know Cuba is number 39 below Slovenia on this list, but here's what's changed in the years since then. I believe that WHO list is from the Clinton years, so it's possible things have changed. But my point is that he just, he just simply ignores little pieces of his own argument that contradict later points he's going to make.
1: Right. I mean, I, I absolutely agree. I mean, in the case of Cuba, it's funny, I don't know much about the Cuban healthcare system. I've been hearing for years that it's remarkably good. I was cruising the web before we spoke. And I, I must say, it's, it, it is hard to come up with a credible critique of the Cuban <laughs> healthcare system. The, the arguments on the other side tend to be, oh, come on, what are you talking about? It's Cuba, which I don't think really right. constitutes an argument. I think probably uh, we can all agree that the relevant fact about Cuba is that it has a remarkably good health care system for a very, very poor country. And he could have said that, and uh, he could say they put us to shame with the quality of their health care, given how much richer we are. And he had to put it in a more buffoonish way. I also sort of felt that he was guilty of something similar when he was talking about the European systems. For example, one inconvenient issue with the British system and the French system is how do they deal with catastrophic care? That's where the huge costs are. And that is also, you know, you're talking about the most desperately sick people. And we didn't really see anybody in the movie who was desperately sick. And in the foreign I,
0: countries, you mean? We did In, in the see foreign that, countries.
1: Yeah. yeah. And um, uh, these countries are not reputed to do quite as well in that area as the United States, with the Significant proviso that um, you have to have health insurance that can actually get you into these places, which is getting harder and harder, so the things like c t scans are harder to come by and um, various screening procedures but again I, I when i as I sort of get into this, I wonder if i'm I'm really addressing more in the spirit with which his movie is intended. It is very funny; it does point out a lot of large, broad-side-of-the-barn truths that are widely ignored. So, And it's frustrating because he's clearly trying to have it both ways. He's trying to be taken seriously as a polemicist while at the same time playing the entertainer. You know, There is a difference, I think, between Moore's approach, which is as a satirist, and, say, the approach of someone like uh, our sometime colleague Michael Kinsley, who is very funny, but writes sort of serious argument. Now, are we saying that Michael Moore should be more like Mike Kinsley? Well, then he really wouldn't be... Michael Moore? I, I don't know the answer. I'm, I'm very muddled about this, and I'm hoping that you can clarify this.
0: Yeah, for me. I think we're both sort of wandering the same forest when it comes to Michael Moore. I mean, the Kinsley comparison is very funny. Imagining what kind of movie Michael Kinsley might make about healthcare would be a whole other podcast. But, But you always <laughs> think of, to me, Mike Kinsley is sort of like the great explainer, right? I mean, he's the guy who said that the purpose of a magazine, the purpose that he wanted to persuade was to explain things. And that's something that Michael Moore doesn't seem particularly interested in at all. He wants to persuade, not explain. And right. for example, if he heard, heard us here criticizing, well, you don't know from this movie if you can get an C- a emergency CT scan or catastrophic care in Britain or something, I'm sure he would say, well, that was not my intention. It was just to get people galvanized and talking about this issue and realizing that whatever happens in these other countries, they have it a hell of a lot better than we do, et cetera. So- I don't know. I mean, I don't think I can resolve your Michael Moore problem in in this conversation because I think I share
1: it. Uh, One thing he steers around that's just interesting from the perspective of his previous movies, and I don't think anybody's pointed this out, is that, um, you know, his first movie was Roger and Me, which was, I think, a, a fantastic movie and really funny and also very pointed but, you know, it was all about Mean General Motors. And why is Mean General Motors closing down their plant in Flint? Well, Mean General Motors at the moment is desperately trying to avoid going out of business because, to a great extent, because of its health care expenses. And you would think that this would interest Michael Moore, But it, uh, it requires him to take a, a more complex view of one of his previous subjects. And um, you know, I think there's there's a great irony there that um, he, he he was so determined to, to portray uh, GM as impregnable and capable of doing whatever it wants that he can't recognize this this supreme irony that this company that he demonized in this first movie is um, uh, very possibly going to go bankrupt because of its health care commitments to its workers.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, it just seems to point to a larger problem that, that he may have, you know, in terms of thinking systems. You know, I mean, it seems like he's more capable of taking on individual opponents, particularly sort of large bureaucracies or large representatives of power, and marching up their steps, outraged, to talk to the CEO, than he is actually thinking about how these systems interrelate and what it means to try to, to run – a large country, you know, with multiple interlocking problems that each have an effect on each other. And for that reason, I think you come out of this movie glad that Michael Moore is not your civics professor <laughs> because you would come out with a very one sided view of the world. But I'm still glad he's out there making movies, aren't you?
1: Absolutely. And uh, as I say, um, the, the first half of the movie manages to live up to all the Michael Moore entertainment values while also being extremely. Truthful, It is absolutely shocking and appalling and unsustainable what uh, private insurance companies are doing to people. And um, people aren't angry enough about it, and uh, the candidates are not thinking big enough in terms of solutions. They're desperately grasping for for some role uh, that market economics can play because they think that uh, the political system won't accept any other solution.
0: Can we get you to admit on, on the radio that you haven't or on the computer that you haven't seen Fahrenheit nine eleven? Are you saving that for your
1: I s it I, such is my shame. I have never seen Fahrenheit nine eleven. <laughs> Yes, it's true. I'm the last human being on the face of the earth not to have seen Fahrenheit 9-11.
0: Well, that's that's sort of too bad for my next question, but actually in a way not, because having seen it or not, you remember what kind of impact it had on the 2004 election and how many people were talking about it. What do you think SICO is going to – I mean, I realize we're much earlier in the campaign now, but what effect do you think SICO will have on the, the political conversation of the candidates and of you know the media? I mean, do you think it will have the kind of impact that potentially that
1: 9-11 did? I hope so, actually, because you know one of my frustrations with the kind of move-on style left in this country in the last few years has been that they have been not really sort of focused on practical solutions. And uh, expressing rage about the uh, false premises under which we got into the Iraq War doesn't really get you very far. On the other hand, expressing rage about the current healthcare system should put you on the road to building a new one. And um, I think that would be a great thing.
0: Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see if it actually happens. Tim, thanks a lot for joining me for this uh, Slate Spoiler Special. Thank you, Dana. And uh, for Slate.com, this is Dana Stevens.
1: Step into the world of power, loyalty